the Shane and Shane version of this song? Mm -hmm. Do you have it? No. Do you have um, the keys maybe unmuted back there? Do you have uh, the keyboard unmuted by any chance? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you. 
It's a place where the heart is undefined Another way when the walls are closing in When I look at the space between where it used to be and this reckoning Now I know I will never be alone It was another in the fight Standing next to me It was another in the water Holding back the seas Should I ever need reminding Could you bend to me Where another died for me There's another in the fight The dead beneath the walls. I'm no longer a slave in the sin anymore. Should I fall in the space between what makes of me and this reckoning? I know I will never be alone. Yeah, I know I will never be alone. There'll be another in the fight. Standing next to me, there's another in the wars, holding back the seas. Should I ever need reminding? How could you bring me free? There is a grave that holds nobody. Now that power lives in me. There is another in the fight. Oh, there is another in the fight. Oh, another in the fire. When you walk into the room.
Someone once said, why is it that opportunity only knocks once, yet temptation bangs at our doors constantly? So we're going to be talking about temptation today. And temptation covers a variety of areas. You can't see there's the top, there's ten temptations. No, no. Temptation happens in so many different ways, shapes, and forms. The Bible, uh, temptation in the Bible comes from the Hebrew word uh, masa, which means to prove or to put to the test. Or also it means to do evil. And let's look at, uh, I'm going to share with you from 1 Peter 5.8. Peter said, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And then in John 8, 44, Jesus called the devil or Satan a liar and a murderer. The Bible said the devil was once one of God's most magnificent creations, but he fell from God's grace. And since he has fallen from God's grace, his number one goal is to cut God off from God's most precious creation, that is us. And he does so by way of temptations. Temptations, there are so many of them. My neighbor, hey, you know, it's not going to rain for a while or whatever, so why don't you mow your yard? You don't need to go to church, just mow your yard. Make it look nice for the rest of the day or whatever. He, he's so subtle. He does this in such a variety of ways. Um, how many have heard of small group? How many have heard of Gail Sayers? Good. Jimmy, you know, you're going to be right there with me, buddy, on this one, okay? I had the privilege, I guess, sometimes age does have its benefits. When, when, when Gail Sayers was at his prime, I had the privilege watching him game after game and being an avid Bear fan to see this athlete perform was amazing. Arguably the best running back ever. I know Bear fans in us, Walter Payton. Well, I'm now talking about overall running back, the best running back. And all I say to you is you get your film and who do you think is the best running back just running football ever, and I'll get Gail Sayers and all of his highlights, and then I bet you I can change your mind. And even Walter Payton, the great Walter Payton, so when it came to running the football, he deferred to Gail Sayers. He was just, he was a phenomenal running back for such a short period of time. This is just a side note, Jason. I went to a Bear game when Walt, and I think Gail Sayers was in his third year. He was having a great year. My brother-in-law got his tickets on the 50-yard line at Wrigley Field. I thought, I get to see Gail Sayers in person at Wrigley no, no, back then it was Wrigley Field. Yes, sorry, I, see, I corrected you. No, it was Soldier Field. Sorry, Jim, that's right. I'm in trouble now. It's going to be a long drive home, I know. And anyway, so we're there, and I was so excited, and watched him play, and then, bam, he blew out his knee. You know, and though he did come back, he never was the same running back. In his prime, Gail Sayers said this. He said, just give me 18 inches of daylight. That's all I need. 
Now, if you're a football fan, you know what that means. Just give him just a little bit of blocking. You can see that hole that he needs to run through. That's all he needs. And my point is that, that Satan needs just only a little itty-bitty light to break through and topple us morally as we cave in to the temptations of this world. That's all he needs. He needs just a little, a little light to get in there and get into our hearts and change us for the worse. Now, so I want to talk, I want to have four, I have four thoughts this morning about temptation. You could really preach a sermon on this one because there's so many areas you can go through in terms of temptation. But I want to give you the basics of how to overcome temptation. I'm sure all of you know this, so this is simply just to reinforce what you already know. The first one is the devil's main target. I'm looking at 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has served you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Paul was addressing a Corinthian church that had fallen, had just, had, were steeped in moral failure. The people were the product of their own pride and cultural decadence that just simply because they, were, they lacked the presence of God in their hearts. When we talk about ministry, when we talk about healing, whatever it is in the faith, it's, it's a matter of the heart. It's where our hearts are. Their hearts, Paul talked about them, but they weren't there because they were surrounded by a culture that was so pagan. And it was all involved about materialism and every, all those kind of things, which are very common also we see today. People's hearts aren't with God. That's the big problem that I see today. Their hearts aren't with God where they should be. Verse 12, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Paul warned them to beware of their trials and temptations by thinking they could resist them in their own strength. And sometimes we, we get lured into being tempted to to deal with issues. We have this false sense of confidence thinking that, that there isn't one temptation that we cannot handle, that we cannot overcome on our own. When in reality that temptation has already been planted in our hearts and our minds, even without realizing it. Because that's what Satan does. People can quote scripture. They're still steeped into temptation. And that's it. I can give you a little pithy phrase or whatever in the Bible, and that's going to take care of it. No. Maybe yes or maybe no. Because Satan is a deceiver. We have to remember that the devil we face, the devil we face is absolutely treacherous. He knows our weakness, our strength, what he does, he can turn labels around. And that he does this all the time. He tur- turns labels around to confuse us and deceive us. For example, today, what God calls fornication in the Bible 
It is redefined today as being sexually liberated. People say, we don't have to follow the Bible. That was written 2,000 years ago. This is now. This is the modern world. This is where we live. And that stuff is all, you know, that's old-fashioned stuff. Be liberated. Be free. Unfortunately, that's happening in churches today. Not just the, not just the secular world. That's happening in churches today. And it's being taught in many churches today. Sexual liberation. Freedom. Why not? Jesus died for all of this. So you sin. So what? Ask for forgiveness. He'll forgive you. Well, he will. That's, there's a half truth in that, I think. And how about, how about this one? God's inspired word is redefined, meaning that it's not to be taken literally in its original context. That is being taught in seminaries. And that has been taught for many, many years in seminaries. I went to a seminary one year where that was taught. And I had to navigate through that as a student. And that was hard to do because I was there for a grade, all these classes. So, so sometimes, Jason, I felt like a, like a hypocrite in a way. It was like responding to a test or an exam with tongue-in-cheek, knowing that I didn't agree with this. So I was there. They teach this stuff. And it's becoming more and more of a problem because the world, I'm not just preaching on what's happening in society today, today, but just stop and think about it. You know what I'm talking about. It has changed. People do not see the Bible overall as you see it. They don't care. They don't want it. It doesn't. It's not relevant for today. That's one of our biggest problems. So what is truth? So society today says, when you say, what is truth? With the old philosophers, you say, what is truth? I used to, used to love it with all these philosophy classes talking about truth or worldviews. What is your worldview? Okay, let's throw it out there. Then let's shoot holes in it. So it's what is truth. They say there really isn't truth. Truth is only measured by your ability as a person. What you think is truth. It's the idea of the Renaissance, the idea of the Enlightenment, that man is the measure and woman of all things. Well... What does the Bible say about that? Our thoughts are futile. We're not the measure of all things. Amen? You guys aren't really very excited today. We'll try a a second one here. Falling in line with temptation. From 1 Corinthians 10, 13a. Now this is going to wake you up. Because we're going to be doing 1 Corinthians uh, 13a, b, and see, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm teaching a hermeneutics class or something like that. A, B, and C. First one is, of course, A. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. This, this is interesting, isn't it? Because we're all in it together. 
We all have temptation is common. You know, I don't know if letting the cat out of the bag, but, but preachers and pastors, they, they, can, they are so tempted in this regard. Busy week. Don't have time to prepare. Aha! What I'll do is I'll go to the Internet. And any of you can do this. Any of you can do this, and you just tr- uh, uh, punch in a search. Sermons. Christian sermons. Huh? Was that Georgia? Oh. Christian sermons. And, and you'll get at your fingertips every a sermon. You'll have illustrations. You'll have biblical interpretations. Everything is right there. And some of them will say something like this. For the pastor who is busy and uh, so busy, this will help you. You, give, if you can spend more time with your congregation, blah, 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 because you won't have to be studying, spending time uh, working on your sermon. This gives you an out. Really? You know? But you know what's, what's sad about this? It's working. More and more pastors are using these canned sermons. You would never know it. But guess what? God knows it. I'm sorry, you know. You've got to dig your own well. As a pastor, your people deserve more than a canned sermon. Amen? Not that we're perfect. I'm far from perfect. What I'm saying is that you've got to do it right. You've got to do it right. It doesn't mean you don't use resources. It means just don't grab one. You know, Chris puts together a sermon and says, Here, Pastor, why don't you preach on this one? Okay, I don't have time to put one together, so I'll use yours. And we're seeing this also more. Boy, I should not be saying this, but I'm going to say it because I'm being tempted. And that is, we see churches that are going to have the, have the larger church, and they, what they'll do is they will, they will bring in within their flock smaller churches. And so they'll get a group of churches, then you have the, the mother church, so to speak. And what the mother church does, oftentimes, not all the time, what they do is say there's four or five churches involved in their ministry. They preach on the same theme. The sermon's based on the same theme for all of them. How can that be? I'm just saying that I think God has something different for every church, every situation. So anyway... I know I could be complaining a little bit about that one, but, um, you know, that just kind of, hmm, it's out there. Okay. That didn't work either, did it? <laughs> All right. Let's try this route. Listen, I got all sorts of tricks I can use here. That doesn't work. I got another one. Even biblical characters are heroes we struggle with various temptations. We know that, don't we? I love, I love Joseph. I thought there's a crack right there. You see that? Yeah. Ooh, gee. I thought it was Gail Sears making my move. But, you know, there, risen is, is true. You look at uh, Joseph. What a story that is, isn't it? If, guys, you're struggling with temptation, go to Joseph. That guy knew how to handle it. Now, the Bible, it depends on your history or your, inter- your translation, but they say Joseph was easy on the eyes. Okay? He was easy on the eyes. He was good-looking. He was well-built. He was a hunk. 
you would say. Like Jan, remember when I was 25? I was a hunk, wasn't I, honey? You know, anyway, so what happened was we know the story. He was being what? He's being pursued. And he ran. The man ran. How unusual is that? But he did the right thing. You've got to flee from it. Flee from the temptation. And how about those who struggled with, uh, with self-confidence, self-esteem, however you want to put it, or, you know, they're not good enough. How about Moses? We all know the story, right? God called Moses. What did Moses, how did he respond? I can't speak. You know, I stutter. You know, I'll just make a mess of things, you know. Here, there's my brother, you know, he got an A in Hebrew lit. Let him, let him speak for, for, the, for Israel, for, for God. How about Isaiah? The same thing. Israel was a mess. And what did Isaiah say? God, I don't measure up. Why me? Find someone else. How about the ten spies, you know, of Israel? You know, they gave the report. We all know the story. We've talked about it many times. Our enemy, they're, they're, giants. they're giants. They're too big. We can't defeat them. No, no. Then how about Gideon? I love Gideon. You know, God says, I'm going to use you to save uh, Israel from slavery from the Midianites. And what did Gideon say? His response was, I come from the weakest of clans, the weakest in Israel. And then he went further and said, and I'm the weakest in my family. You know, he wanted to make sure that God understood just how bad he was and not good enough for what God has called him to do. But that's what happens. That's what God has called us to really to flee from that kind of temptation. You can't do it. That's one of Satan's great temptations. You can't do it. This church to grow done. And then Satan can use this tool. And, and, and it's a half-truth. Because if you look at statistics on churches this size, it can't be done. So he'll take that half-truth and he'll build on it and say, see, he tried to convince you it can't be done. Why can't we be like Isaiah or Moses, or whatever, we say, oh, but those are great. They were special people. Uh-uh. They're just like us. Their difference was their faith. That is it. King David, I didn't mention him. He was a sinner of all sinners. This guy was a mess. He, he was in and out of problems. Aren't we? You know, he was, tempta- he was, he was tempted. Aren't we? We can overcome through Christ. That's the point. That we can do it. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. Amen? All right. Now we're getting better. God allows temptation number three. So we're getting close. This is 13b. And now listen to this. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted 
beyond what you can bear. Did you hear that? Here Paul offers his readers two great assurances surrounding their trials and temptations. First, God sets limits on what he will allow to happen to us. Remember the old uh, movies uh, was with Clint Eastwood years ago? I think it was maybe in the 80s, 70s, 80s, whatever. He was Dirty Harry. Remember the Dirty Harry series? And remember one of the big sayings that really, it really caught on when the phrase, a man's got to know his limitations? Well, God knows our limitations. However, this does not mean that we will never succumb to a temptation. It just means that God will never give us more than what we can bear. Never. Think about that. Whatever you're going through, God will never give you more than you can bear. That's his words. That's what he says. So therefore, it means that we have something special that God has for us. God, we're always, God is always one ask away. One ask away. Whenever you are tempted, whatever, you got to go to God. You have to do that. You have to go to him. And you can't be deceived. You can't be deceived. Remember, I shared this story with my pastor friend of mine. This always comes back to me because it, it hurt me. And, but I feel sorry for his family because if it hurt me, what did it do to his family? Mitch was a guy, he was a psychologist, a pastor of a church in Princeton. We became buddies, and we'd go out and have lunch together or, or, or fellowship or whatever, and talk, ministry, whatever the case might be. So Mitch was very proud of his psychology, that he had control over counseling and everything else, and he got involved with this, with this woman who had marital problems. And he was talking about her in one session. Then he said, Wes, guess what? He said, I'm going to have, I'm going to take her to a retreat in Michigan. I said, what? Yes, he said, I'm going to pick her up. I'm going to drive her there. I said, Mitch, what are you doing? Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I've been working with her and I'm in control. I know that. I know what, uh, I know my boundaries, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But guess what? He, that, Satan opened that, that, that crack was open just a little bit. And it deceived his mind thinking, well, I can handle this. I can handle this. I can, no, you can't. I don't care who you are. If you're in this room and you think that you're above Temptation, if you're a woman with a man or a man with a woman, and you say, I'm above that, I'm going to say, look out. That is, that is a lie coming right straight from hell. He went to Michigan, and his marriage went out the window. Five kids left his wife. All because of his stupid pride. Dude, God didn't make us that way. He didn't. You know, we got to learn to walk away through the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. Sometimes, I guess, it becomes so strong that it's so difficult to do that. But second here, Uh, Paul says in 13c, but when you are tempted, 
he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And I have tested this promise of assurance over the years and found it to be true. I think pastors, I think, Sue, you guys have pastors in your family. Pastors, when, you ha- when you're a pastor, you're asked to do a lot of things for your family. You know, it could be weddings. I've done a lot of funerals for my immediate family. You know, I buried, I've officiated my, both my, well, my, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, Jan's brother, uh, just on and on. My family, my sister, my brother, older brother. And I remember with my older brother, this is where it hit me. And I thought, ah, you know, my older brother was my hero. He was my guy. I mean, he was a great athlete, and I wanted to be just like my brother Bob. And, and so, and I'm not lying. He was just that for me. And then when he was in this situation where he was dying, then little brother was, I, my, my middle brother asked me, hey, Denny, he said, you're going to have to go minister to Bob. I'm thinking, why me? Why can't you do it? Why me? Well, then I knew that God, what, what God wanted me to do, so I went, I ministered to my brother, and I held his hand, and we prayed, that was the last time I saw my brother alive, and he received Christ, and that's the first time I've ever seen my brother, my brother Bob, cry. There were tears in his eyes, and I left that room. But then when he died, then the family asked me to officiate at his funeral. I was very selfish and very feeling sorry for myself. I said, oh, I said, how can I... How can I, how can I fish you? How can I do this? That's my brother. You know what someone said to me? Very plainly, they said, well, why not? That really hit me. Why not? So what am I saying? I have discovered something, that being tempted to deal with those tense emotional moments on my own strength doesn't work. It doesn't work. It will not work for you. It doesn't work for me. But humbling myself, yourself, before God works. Amen? Amen. What does the Bible say? If you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. There's nothing wrong with your accomplishments. There's nothing wrong with, with uh, having a beautiful voice. There's nothing wrong, well, Rudy, well, to be a great le- electrician, nothing wrong with with those kind of things, as long as we give who the credit? We give God the credit. I had been so blessed with so many people in my life that have been so successful, yet they're so humble. That has really helped me a lot in my own life, realizing that, whoa, you know, I've mentioned my, my Air Force friend. He has so many... He has so many awards that would drive you crazy. And yet, he would be the first guy to tell you it's only because of Christ. See what I'm saying? You put Jesus Christ first in your life, all that you do. Somebody says, hey, you know, congratulations on your academics or whatever. Well, praise God. Only through the grace of God. See, it's always putting God out there first. 
That's having the heart of God always putting him out there first. I, I got to watch how I say this one. I um, work out five days a week. Granted, other people can work out more, you know, dynamic than I do. But come on, give me a break. I'm not exactly 25 anymore. But what I do is I'm, a, I'm an extremist. Everybody knows that. My doctors know that or whatever. And I, I, through the years, I have not, I still am as intense as I was when I was 40 years old and running. And all, here's what I'm saying is that when I work out even today, I no longer run outside because my, my knees are shot. I can't do the running all on the, on the pavement anymore. So I do elliptical where it simulates the running. So I'm getting my cardiovascular work in. But I sit my miles. I want to do, I want to do a marathon a week in my workout. So that's what I do. You're thinking, is he bragging? No. Wait to, just hang on there before you judge me. And that is so when I get on that machine, there are times today I don't want to do it. I'll admit there are times back in the day, you know, put on the old sweats, you know, and you used to embarrass Jan to think it was wear outside to run in. It didn't matter to me. Put the sweatband on, and away I went. But now when I get on that machine, like tomorrow morning, Lord willing, I'm going, oh, I got six, seven miles to go today. But I pray. Before I start that machine, I'm praying. I'm saying, God, give me the strength, give me the endurance, and, 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 and give me the wisdom to know my pace, and give me the energy to do it. See, I defer to God. So the Bible says if you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. It's God that does it. You know, your accolade with God, the things that you can do, then give God the glory because he's the one that's, that's doing it through you. Amen? Amen. So that's the way we can keep ourselves humble, humble by understanding that. Remember Billy Graham. You know, Billy Graham is arguably, well, he was the, you know, the most well-known evangelist in the world. And so his, uh, his secretary had some uh, friends coming in, family, uh, for vacation. And they wanted to meet Billy Graham. So she took her family to, the, to his office and said, you know, Reverend Graham, I want you to meet my family. You know what he said? She said, he's my boss. He said, no, he said, I'm your servant. Think about that. It's always keeping it in your mind, whatever God has given you, whatever blessings, they come from him, and he can take them away, take them away just like that as well. It's recognizing who we are, that will keep us from falling into all that temptation of how good we are, how great we are, or whatever the case might be. It's only through the grace of God. Amen? Chris does our numbers. Huh? Me, I'm adding things up with my fingers. And he does it so effortlessly. Praise God for that. God's given him that gift. If Chris comes up to me and says, aren't I so good? I can add numbers even. I don't have to use my toes or nothing. I can just, just do it. I'm saying, yeah, well, thank you for being so humble. You see what I'm saying? I'm, that's my point is, is if we keep God, Christ, 
number one, he keeps everything in perspective. He wants us to be successful. He does. But he wants to say, put it in priority. Don't be tempted to think that you're better than what you, than what you think you are. Number four, we are not alone. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, years ago, there was a father of three children, and he lost his wife from cancer. And when the pastor went to the house to console the husband and the children, he said something, I guess what happened during the dynamic of the, of the visit. And the husband was bitter. In that moment, he was bitter and he's mad at God. And the pastor encouraged him. He said, if you're mad at God, then be mad at God. Don't hide it because God can take it. Have you ever been mad at God? Huh? I have. I see a shape. I have. I mean, that's a human thing, Right? Did you ever almost, in a sense, shake your fist at God? I have. I've did the occasions. I just get every. You know, I get ticked off at God, but I know that my Lord can handle it because He knows my heart. He knows what He knows, what He knows, because we have a high priest who is greater than any earthly priest. Listen to this amazing truth. Jesus Christ is not so lofty or out of touch with us that he cannot relate to our human condition. Jesus knows every temptation that comes our way because he has been there. We can never say, Jesus you don't understand what I'm going through. No, no. He's been there. And he knows. And he's reminding us that in our temptation, he'll never give us more than we can bear. We need to understand that. I need to understand that. And when, no matter what I'm going through, he'll never give me more than what I can bear. I discovered that burying some of my family. God, I don't want to do this. But God, I know that you will, you will not give me more than what I can bear. So then just do it. Let's finish with uh, verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The Bible says we find confidence to overcome temptation because a prince of peace has, is on the throne of grace and he's dispersing his favor on us beyond what we deserve, far beyond what we deserve. He is dispensing grace on us. 
So whatever temptation you are going through, if you're not going through any temptation, boy, I'd like to know it. I want to know how you're doing it. Whatever it is, you know, is it a sexual temptation, revenge, unforgiveness, guilt, anger, anger, whatever. Remember, he will never give you more than what you can bear. He will always provide whatever you need to overcome your temptations. You're not perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. But we have a perfect God. We have something we have something that a lot of people do not have. We have the luxury of a loving faith who loves us. It doesn't matter what we do, how bad we've been, he's always there to forgive us. You can scream at God. And he's saying, that's what I'm here for. Bring it on. I still love you. No, no matter what you do, God will still love you. I'm just saying, in closing, that make life easier on yourself. If you're tempted, go right to the man. Go right to Jesus. Let him help you get through your temptation. Don't let it get the best of you. Don't let it get the best of you. Reach out to him and he will lift you up every time. Amen and amen. That's all I have.